Last night I was lying in bed scrolling through my YouTube recommended and this video by Genetically Modified Skeptic came up. I, I knew I haven't done any review direct review videos of his work before, so I thought, well, why not make this the first one? I'll, I'll turn on the camera tomorrow morning when I wake up, watch a video, and do a review to it. So I've made a bit of notes on it with a few of my thoughts. I'll, I'll go, go through the individual sections of this video, go through what he says, what he's critiquing, and then give my overall thoughts about it at the end. Of course, I have timestamps throughout this video, so if you want to skip to any part of this discussion, then feel free to do so. I know you might not be interested in absolutely everything in his video, so just skip to the parts that you enjoy and go watch from there. Now, of course, I'm not gonna be responding to everything in his video, I've kind of split into around six or seven different sections. Of course, there's way more in this video, though I think that it wouldn't be necessary for me to go through absolutely everything because I would just make the video, this video way too long. Without further ado, let's get into the first part where he kind of says Craig's view, summarizes it, we can see it on the screen, and let me skip to that slide. So let's get right into it. Only solution the atheist can offer is that we face the absurdity of life and live bravely. Bertrand Russell, for example, wrote that we must build our lives on the firm foundation of unyielding despair. Only by recognizing that the world really is a terrible place can we successfully come to terms with life. Camus said that we should honestly recognize life's absurdity and then live in love for one another. The fundamental problem with this solution, however, is that it is impossible to live consistently and happily within such a worldview. If one lives consistently, he will not be happy. If one lives happily, it is only because he's not consistent. Here's the part I find particularly interesting. He claims it is impossible to live consistently and happily within such a worldview. That worldview being that God-given purpose and meaning do not exist. If one lives consistently, he will not be happy. If one lives happily, it is only because he is not consistent. To the best of my understanding, Craig claims that one cannot live happily while recognizing the absence of God-given purpose and meaning in life. I think that that's a very good summary of uh, Craig's view, and I think it is uh, quite good. Though I do like to think that, and this perhaps becomes a bit more clear in his later critique of Craig's view, where he does give a secondary part of uh, Craig's presentation, but I think that what Craig is trying to do, instead of saying meaning simpliciter, saying, well, if God doesn't exist, absolutely no meaning exists, I think you have perhaps a more precise or subtle view, and this is a view that uh, Dostoevsky would hold, is that, well, if God doesn't exist, then objective meaning doesn't exist. It's all right if you create subjective meaning, but then that's different from objective meaning, and that's where he's getting that consistency from. It's, it's the consistency between objective meaning and God instead of all meaning and God. And I think that that difference might explain some of uh, Drew's critique later on in the video. So I just want to get that out of the way at the start. So now let's turn to the second section where he refers to a study. Okay, so before uh, we get into study, I think what he's trying to say, or in this video, is, is instead of interacting with purely philosophical kind of existentialist discussion, of course he does touch on that, he's more focused on can you live happily without God, and, and that's kind of what he's interacting with, and as a result here, the, the question is, are believers happier than atheists, instead of it being, well, let's turn to some existentialist works like Nietzsche, or, or Camus, or Sartre, and so, so that's kind of what he's trying to uh, discuss here instead. The article is titled, Are Believers Happier Than Atheists? Well-being measures in a sample of atheists and believers in Puerto Rico. As per the results section of the article, a statistically significant difference was found in the level of life satisfaction between theists and atheists. The authors write, these results imply that life satisfaction is higher among believers than in atheists, but this result has a small effect size. However, both groups are within the range of what is considered a high level of life satisfaction. Further, a statistically significant difference was found in the level of psychological flourishing between theists and atheists. Unlike the data obtained in the life satisfaction analysis, in this case, atheists have a level of psychological flourishing which is statistically greater than that of believers in God. Nevertheless, the effect size is small and both groups are within a high level of psychological flourishing. Final now, I think that that is a very interesting thing, that human, that flourishing, psychological flourishing might be better on atheists than theists. And I think you could look at that from a Christian perspective and say, well, sure, why not? Because because it's not like Christianity is going to be very easy and makes life easier. In fact, I sometimes think that if you take away the moral constraints of our religion, you actually have 
a wider range of things that you can do. And as a result, you could suggest that having a wider range of things you can do perhaps would lead you to have a psychologically more flourishing or happy existence. And I think that is granted. But then now you can say, well, of course, this is what Drew is arguing as well. Let's turn back to uh, the claim that um, happiness is inconsistent to some degree with or with atheism. And I think when you look at that, of course, Drew builds on this later. But I think what you see here is, you, once again, you have to be very specific with what you're trying to say. If you're saying, well, it's just happiness in the most simple sense of saying, well, maybe you're happy from eating a, a chocolate or something like that and you feel happy about it. Is that is it that's, is that kind of what uh, William Lane Craig is trying to say? Or is he trying to get perhaps a, a deeper discussion or, or something else? Well, perhaps something along the lines of, well, it, you're getting your happiness, and sure, you might have happiness, but it's fundamentally based on something which is inconsistent. It's fundamentally based on something which is not philosophically grounded. And, and then, well, is that truly happiness if it's, or if it's based on some sense of delusion? And of course, I think that question is then the second thing that we must have to think as well when we look at the study, because yes, it might be true that atheists are indeed happier, but then, well, why are they happy? There are, there are further questions about that. So I don't think that this study perfectly or directly disproves what uh, William Lane Craig is trying to say. So now this is the, of course, the second part of uh, William Lane Craig's thing, where I think that there is perhaps a bit more of a different kind of interpretation of Craig's work, which I was referring to previously. I saw that without God, life has no meaning, yet philosophers continue to live as though life does have meaning. For example, Sartre argued that one may create meaning for his life by freely choosing to follow a certain course of action. Sartre himself chose Marxism. Now this is utterly inconsistent. It is inconsistent to say life is objectively absurd and then to say one may create meaning for his life. If life really is absurd, then man is trapped in a lower story. To try to create meaning in his life represents a leap to the upper story. But Sartre has no basis for this leap. Without God, there can be no objective meaning in life. Sartre's program is actually an exercise in self-delusion. Sartre is really saying, let's pretend the universe has meaning. And this is just fooling ourselves. What Craig does here is equivocate any form of meaning in life relevant to happiness with objective God-given meaning. Now, I think that this is a very interesting kind of uh, discussion and this idea that you equivocate meaning and objective meaning. And I, and I actually do, or God-given meaning, and I think that there is a very interesting discussion to be had here because this is where I think we might have perhaps slightly different understandings of uh, what Craig is uh, trying to say. Because when, if I look at here, what, let me find, if I could actually go back to, yep, here is the, the, the article that Craig wrote. I, I look at this and I'm thinking, well, I think that here it says it is inconsistent to say that life is objectively absurd and then to say one may create meaning for his life. I think that what Craig is doing is saying two different types of meaning. There is there is the objective meaning, which is life is objectively absurd. Then to say one may create meaning, it's, it's to say one may create objective meaning to life. He's not objecting to the fact that one can create subjective meaning to his life. I don't think you could possibly objectively deny someone's ability to create something which is subjective. That that's you cannot create something subjectively is I think is just by definition absurd because surely you could create something subjectively. Well that's a definition of being subjective. Like you could clearly create your own meaning. But the only thing what he is saying here is that without God there can be no objective meaning to life. Therefore it's inconsistent to say that you can create objective meaning. I think that perhaps is the better way to view Craig and and of course, if Craig truly is saying, well, you cannot create subjective meaning, then, well, I have to admit, I would disagree with Craig, but I just don't really think that that is what Craig is trying to say. I think Craig is separating between the ability to have objective meaning with God and it being inconsistent with creating objective meaning. While it's possible to create subjective meaning, it is not possible to create objective meaning. And I think there lies indeed the difference. So now let's go on to the next part. Dr. Craig can say, well, those atheists are either confused or lying because meaning and purpose definitionally come from God. Well, I think that there's a bit of a problem here. I don't think it, 
I don't think Craig is saying meaning and purpose come definitionally by God, because I don't think uh, Craig is making an analytical distinction between or analytical relationship between meaning and purpose and God. It's not like meaning is by definition God in the same way that Craig has in the past said, well, God is by definition good. I think there might be a bit of a different uh, purpose there, especially, especially if you look at more of a teleological approach, an Aristotelian approach to Christianity. Of course, some some theists hate this Aristotelian approach. I think Luther didn't like it too much. But, but if you do take this Aristotelian uh, purpose, you could say that good by definition is God, but at the same time, you could say, that while purpose and meaning is the telos given to humans, I think that there's a difference here between the analytic approach, what uh, Drew is saying, it's by definition, and perhaps more teleological approach, which which is definitely another opposition, uh, proposition. I'm not going to say that which one is the more Christian view here, because I think that goes way beyond kind of the discussion we want to have here, but I just do think that there are two different views, and, and it's not explicitly clear that Craig is viewing the, the definitionally kind of approach to the situation. Now I think we can turn to the arbitrary choice which is uh, raised by Drew here towards the end of the video, which is more about his personal search for meaning and discussions here. ...being equal. One could make the solely pragmatic and philosophically arbitrary choice to find meaning and purpose in the God of the Bible while remaining philosophically consistent. It's even supposedly rational to do so. But, on an atheistic view, we cannot make the solely pragmatic and philosophically arbitrary choice to find meaning and purpose within ourselves while remaining philosophically consistent. Now I think that there's a very interesting point uh, Drew is raising here, and I, I, and I would agree with him in the sense that they are two equal propositions. If you're only believing God in order to just have a meaning for life, then you can create that meaning and believe in that objective meaning. But at the same time, if you're creating kind of, you're creating subjective meaning, well, then you have that kind of subjective meaning that you're creating. So then the only question there is to say, well, and this is why I tried to raise when I was discussing this with Zach is like, well, if you're going to allow the atheist to subjectively create his own meaning, then surely you can allow the theist to subjectively believe in God. And they, they both have the two propositions have kind of a similar amount of rationality behind them. Then, And if that's the case, then one, one theist's belief in God, at the very worst, would then just be as rational as uh, atheist's belief in meaning. And then if you say, well, the theist cannot just have that kind of subjective choice to believe in God, then, then the atheist would have to also say that the atheist cannot have that subjective choice and meaning. And I just think that the, there are two kind of propositions which are quite interesting to play against each other. So I think that what Drew is saying here is a very interesting point. And I think it's one thing that we have to recognize is that at the very worst, the theist is just like the atheist who is subjectively creating meaning. And I think that that is quite an interesting thing or interesting perspective, just that we have to think about the further implications down the road. So now let's discuss this about subjective meaning where he elucidates that a bit more clearly. I believe I would never find any meaning in life or any reason to keep living. After some reflection, though, I realized that this was a lingering Christian perspective I hadn't yet confronted. I did some digging on my own and realized that atheists can be happy, as evidenced by research much like that which I presented in this video. I just... Now, I think we can completely agree with him here in saying that atheists can be happy. Of course they can be happy. Of course they created that subjective meaning. And it's just not the objective meaning you found in God. And, and of course, you could say, well, is that a philosophically reasonable view to hold? I would say perhaps not. I don't think it's reasonable to just say, well, now we can just suddenly start creating our own meaning for ourselves. In the same way, I don't think that Christians should go around just saying, well, let's just randomly create God for ourselves. Though I think that all things being equal, it'd be more pragmatic to create God because it has other implications as well. But that's not really for this video. I think, I think that even if we were to grant the idea that both sides are irrational creating God, we would then have to judge the further, the further arguments around it saying, well, 
is there a more objective reason to believe in the meaning surrounding that meaning that you subjectively created? Or is there more meaning or more reasoning objectively behind the God that you're believing in? And I think that if we look at evidence, you'll see at least there are more reasons to believe in God. And as a result, that is a more reasonable hypothesis. And you have to, of course, look at this from the backdrop of the of like different arguments for the existence of God. But I at least think that there is a bit of a symmetry break here with the idea that there are more arguments for the existence of God than for someone's created own subjective meaning. Though, I, as I've said multiple times in this video, and I want to reiterate, is that it's possible to create subjective meaning. Of course, it is by definition possible to create subjective meaning for yourself. And if that makes you happy, fine, go by it. But then we just have to think about the philosophical kind of ramifications around it. Because I think that too many times, and I'm not saying Drew is doing this, but I think too many times a lot of new atheists like to constantly critique Christians about, oh, you don't have many arguments for the existence of God. Oh, your arguments don't work. But then they don't do the same kind of approach to their own subjective meaning and saying, well, my belief in subjective meaning isn't rational. Oh, my belief in subjective reasoning is insufficient. There are problems with these arguments. If you're going to critique one side, you have to look at yourself. Don't critique the moat in your, in your brother's eye if you have a bigger moat in your own. So I think that we also have to think about it from that perspective as well. So I think we could finally finish off his uh, video with kind of a discussion about falsehoods, harmony, mental health, and also terrible reasons for believing in God. Let's get to the last part of the video. Demonstrable falsehoods as it's impossible for atheists to be philosophically consistent and happy, therefore atheism is unlivable, and encouraging Christian communities to repeat such falsehoods? William Lane Craig is complicit in the undermining of former believers' mental health. Now, I think that this is very dangerous because like, I think he's trying to blame or or at least suggest that some Christians are harming people's mental health. And I, I far from thinking that, I, I really don't think that this is the case. And if it is the case, then well, too bad. For, and I, I know this sounds very callous. And I... And, and I'm not wanting to state here by saying that I'm, I don't treat mental health as a very big issue because it is like one of my closest friends have struggled with uh, depression and suicide very recently like a month ago and that's not easy but and and I and I, and being one of like his closest confidants or whatever you want to call that it, it wasn't the most easy thing and it is difficult but but at the same time I think that we have to understand that there's a difference between presenting this view philosophically and presenting this view as if to say well you should go kill yourself and and I think that there's a very clear thing here and I don't and as a result I I I disagree with how Drew is trying to present it because because I don't think William Lane Craig is approaching this from the mental health, oh, if you're an atheist, you should go kill yourself kind of perspective. Rather, I think he's presenting a philosophical view a la Dostoevsky and in some degree Nietzsche. And of course, Nietzsche is more in the sense that you should create your own meaning as well. But there's that kind of initial nihilism as a result of Christianity found in Nietzsche. So I think that um, it's this might be perhaps a bit too far in Drew's representation of Craig, because I, I think it's too easy to say, well, you're to blame for these mental health problems. I, I really don't think so. I think that mental health is something which is very different from truly your philosophical beliefs, because you can have all the philosophy you want to believe that everything is all right and and still have horrible mental health. And I can say that from personal experience, that it's all right to have objective meaning and everything, but it does not necessarily imply, and perhaps definitionally, it, it's not... Um, it's not a logical kind of, if you have objective meaning, then mental health, good. I don't necessarily think that that is perhaps what you see in reality. So I don't think that this distinction that Drew is making at the end is very fair here. One doesn't have to be an atheist to see that this claim of his is false, harmful, and serves to motivate people to keep believing in the Christian God for one terrible reason, fear of losing all hope. Someone... Now, now he says, this is a terrible reason for believing God, out of fear for losing all hope. But then surely you can see, as I've said before, you could reflect this back to his one, by saying, well, surely it's a terrible reason to believe in your subjective meaning out of fear of losing all hope. If it's true that people are just believing God in order to serve their, uh, ser to have fear of losing all hope, 
then, well, isn't that just the same at the very worst as the atheist who believes in his subjective meaning or creates his own subjective meaning out of fear for losing all hope? And, and that's kind of where I want to end off this video. Let's go back to the bigger screen. And that's kind of where I want to end off this video. I want to end off by saying, well, we, we here are faced with two similar hypotheses. On one side, we have the atheist, at the very worst, of course, this is going following Drew's hypothesis. At the very worst, we have atheists believing in subject meaning and Christians believing in God without any meaning. Drew is saying, well, theists believing in God is a terrible reason out because the justification is to, is to create meaning out of that kind of despair or angst. However, however, the atheist is completely justified to create that subject to meaning or follow that subject to meaning. But then surely we see that there's a very clear symmetry here if we are going to say that there are no other beliefs or no other arguments for the existence of God. With that in the backdrop, you look at that and you're saying, well, if you're going to allow the atheist to believe in his subjective meaning out of fear of losing all hope, then surely you have to allow the God or Christians to believe in God out of fear of losing all hope. There are quite similar hypotheses. And I think that that is where I want to end off this video. I'm not here to say, well, William Lane Craig is definitely right, because as I've said during the course of this video, there are times where I think that on certain interpretations of Craig, then there are problems with that view. However, at the same time, I don't think Drew purposed, and, and I'm not saying Drew purposely misunderstands Craig, but rather I'm saying, well, maybe Drew has misunderstood Craig to some, in, in some areas. So if you've enjoyed this video, make sure to like and subscribe. It means a lot to me. If you disagree with anything in this video, make sure to send me an email, discord me, or put, uh, put a comment in the below. You can join my Discord server in the description. Of course, if you're Drew and you want to respond to this, make a video or something, feel free to go ahead. I made a few response videos no one has ever answered to me, so that's kind of fine by me and whatever. But ultimately, it's interesting to see how this goes. Thank you for watching. Stay safe. See you soon. And goodbye, my friends. God bless.